0: Hey, hey, everybody, welcome back. This is your host, Joe Salida, and you're listening to the Well for Goodness Sake podcast. Listen, I am just here to encourage you as a fellow believer that you can do all the things. Yes, mamas, you too. I hear you. Here, it's all about keeping it real and applying practical truth from scripture to learn more about the heart of God and what it means to walk the foray life. Just like my favorite life verse in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 talks about. Walking in faith can require massive action. Life can be pretty chaotic and we don't always get to control our circumstances. But here together, we can learn to change how we respond to what does happen. And that changes everything. What does it mean to choose Jesus Christ first and daily? How do we find peace, identity, and purpose? I tell you what, it is only found in his presence and by his mercy and grace and only by believing in truth. So here we'll laugh together and maybe comfort each other once in a while while also remembering the most important thing, God's love for us. Mamas, sisters in Christ, you are not alone. God chose you. God loves you. Welcome to this safe space. It's so great to have you back. Welcome back to the Well For Goodness Sake podcast on walking and living the 4-8 life. It is great to have you back. I'm back a little bit early. It's Wednesday. I'm normally recording on Friday or after or rushing to get things done because I'm busy just like you. Before I get into anything, I want to say thank you so much for listening. I have run into a few people, friends, even some family that I didn't know were listening to the podcast Uh, just this past weekend. I ran into a couple of people and it meant so much. It was so humbling to me and such a blessing to me to hear not only were you listening, but that you took the time to say something to me and encourage my heart, because that's the whole purpose of this podcast. It's meant to encourage, it is an obedience for myself to speak the name of Jesus. And then I laugh a little bit because I have had some people that wished me well in my business. And so I did make sure to let them know that the podcast is not in any way monetized. None of my social media platforms are monetized. (laughs) I haven't made a penny. I literally took what I was using for a fashion blog years ago, and affiliate marketing links and such that I never made any money off of and took it down because it wasn't what God wanted me to do. And so I just listened to that voice. I took the website down over two years ago. After my daughter was born, I was like, this is not me. This is not who I am. And I took it down. And I've been really busy since then. But when I turned the podcast over to the Lord, it was just an obedience to God. Hey, Joe, I want you to speak the name of Jesus. I want you to talk about me. I'm putting things in your heart. I'm speaking to your mind. I want you to share with other people. And so I probably definitely have a calling in my heart in a ministry for women, um, even more so than children, even though I love my kids and I love children so much, and I've worked in children's ministries before. um, I'm definitely called to reach out to women and speak to women, other women and other people who may be going through some of the same things and need encouragement. And um, you're not alone, right? As Christians, as believers, we all go through some crazy things, but you're not alone. Thank you for telling me that this is a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. I'm so grateful to the Lord that he's using it in your life. And for those of you that I had no clue that you were listening, there's probably more of you that I don't know are listening. I pray and ask the Lord for this to bless your heart and bless your life as I continue to walk and try to listen to him in obedience and follow what he's telling me to do. So I just wanted to thank you for that. So thank you so much. I love you guys. I really love the feedback. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the encouragement as I continue to obey the Holy Spirit. So welcome back. Um, Update on the guest speaker. We're meeting this Friday. I can't wait to talk to her about her book and then we will be setting up the podcast interview, the official podcast interview and go forward from there. So in the next couple of weeks, I would say that you can be excited about about hearing the guest speaker on the podcast <laughs> and I will disclose more information following this Friday. The update that I have for you on the 66 days through the books of the Bible. It's called the title will be 66 days through the Bible books. The first episode will be listed under season 2, episode 1 and it's going to be on the book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, the foundation and the setting for the rest of the Bible and all of the rest of the books. I'm pretty excited about this. It's going to be coming up this week or weekend. As soon as I record it, I'm pretty much finished with the study on Genesis. Many of you know that my dad pastored for 50 years, and I have to admit that I'm definitely no scholar. Um, Annie F. Downs always says, I'm no scholar. I'm just an Annie. And it makes me laugh because I'm in the same boat. I'm no scholar, but I'm just a regular Joe. So I cannot claim to know all of the things. (laughs) I would not pretend to know all of the things, but I'm so grateful for resources that I can have access to. I recently borrowed some books from my dad's study. And growing up over the years, I remember him spending hours in that office or in that study, spending time and memorizing scripture, studying the Bible, preparing sermons. So I love being able to go to him and run some things by him. But I am doing a lot of research. And I was able to borrow some things that are just keys and essential tools that I need to get through this. So I am very excited about that. But stay tuned. I'm hoping to have that out this weekend. I have another show. Shower for our family member this weekend. We had one last weekend, so it's a little bit crazy, but I am very excited to share that with you and get that going. I'm so happy for those of you that have reached out and said, Hey, this is so cool. I want to do this with you. Or I may jump on. Yes, definitely. Jump on, do it with me. I'm excited to have you on board. All right, so let's get back into our topic on the pursuit of peace. We have covered so many things. First and daily, worship to God, choosing joy and thankfulness. Trusting God's purpose and plan. Humility last week was on grace. Today, we're going to talk about forgiveness. And all of this in pursuit of peace is really trying to understand what it's talking about in Psalms 95 and finding that secret to a soft heart. So I'm going to jump right out here and tell you my key verse, which is Luke 23, verse 34, where it says, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. And many of you already know that that's Jesus when he's hanging on the cross, already tortured, crying out to a God to forgive us humans, humankind for what we have just done to him and what we're about to do, which is to finish that death on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I have so many things to break down about this and how it relates to forgiveness. But first, I want to say that in pulling up the Greek word, looking for the Greek translation, a is the Greek word for forgive. And this applies to several other verses that I share throughout today's topic on forgiveness. Um, It's the same definition. And in outlining of the biblical usage for this word, it's it's basically saying to bid going away or depart to send something forth to yield it. If you're yielding something, you're giving up your right to expire to let it go. Let something be disregard to forgive a debt or give up a debt to remit to depart from anyone, abandon or leave. So forgiving is essentially a release. It's a freedom from whatever it is that's holding you captive or whatever it is that you thought you owned, whatever it is that you're holding on to. Forgiveness is taking leave, abandoning that thing, which holds you captive. And so there is a freedom and forgiveness. If you're crying out, if you're forgiving, if you're forsaking, laying aside, omitting, sending something away, yielding. If you're doing that, there's a freedom because you are being released from that thing that was holding you, that was limiting you. So when Jesus cries out to God while he's hanging from the cross, it's really important to pay attention to what's going on here. The timeline is very, very important, very specific. You've got us, people, humankind, who mock, scorn, torture, spit on him, beat him, hate him want him to die talk about about him in front of him but essentially they're torturing and abusing him Um, I don't know if I don't want to get too descriptive because this is an encouragement podcast but it's really important to understand that some of the studies on the cat of nine tails which is one of the tools that was used to beat the son of God beat Jesus Christ before hanging on the cross the cat of nine tails is such a tool that it would actually claw its little way into the skin it would cling to the skin on the back so if you've got these angry soldiers hitting Jesus Christ on the back with this cat of nine tails it actually stuck into the flesh and when it was pulled back away after that initial swing of the whip, when it was ripped back, it tore skin off of his back. So again, I'm not a scholar, but based on what studies have shown and what that tool that was used to be him. One of the tools, not even talking about when the soldier stabs him in the side with the spear to check and see if he was dead. There's just so much torture and abuse here um, on a human body. And so the catanoid tails essentially left him with bones hanging out. And um, you have to kind of pay attention to some of those details when you understand the suffering and what Jesus was going through on the cross dying for us. So when he cries out in Luke 23, verse 34, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's actually doing something that humankind is almost, for real, never expected to do. First of all, never expected to do this, but also probably pretty incapable especially without God's grace and mercy. And it would almost seem inhumane to actually ask somebody to do what Jesus did. So what he's doing is he's dying on the cross. He is not only forgiving us in the moment of hanging there with half the flesh hanging off of his body. Again, I don't know if it was half, but he's got flesh ripped off of his body. He's next to dead. He's already forgiven us. He cries out to God on our behalf. The Father God, who he is about to be separated from, something we never have to experience aside from our own selfishness. We never have to be separated from God. That's what Jesus Christ's finished work on the cross did for us. We have access to him, direct access 24-7. He never abandons us. His love never stops. His grace is unending, infinite, infinity times infinity. So what Jesus essentially did was knowing he was about to be separated from God, knowing that he had to forgive these people who were torturing him and who he was dying for. He chose to love us and die for us while we're beating him and ripping his body apart, nailing, him to a cross, stabbing him in the side, mocking him. And then there they are on the ground making bets and casting lots right there at his feet, dividing up Jesus' clothing and betting while he bleeds on the over their little bets that are taking place. Crazy. Would Jesus have been tempted to hate us and all of mankind had he not forgiven us on the cross while he died for us? What does he actually do? He forgave, chose love while he's dying and asked God to forgive us on his behalf. Forgive them for they know not what they do. As humans, it would be, like I said, inhumane to say to somebody who's suffering from, let's say, you know, physical abuse or had suffered, you're not going to hear any counselor or therapist telling somebody in today's world, there's not very many of them that are going to even tell you or suggest that you should forgive somebody that has hurt you in such a way, but especially not while it's happening. I mean, that seems insane, but essentially that's what Jesus did while he was being tortured and abused and ripped apart. He forgave us and then asked God to forgive us on his behalf. It's It gives me goosebumps just talking about it. Unforgiveness limits us to that thing that hurt us. Not forgiving leads to anger and bitterness. Anger and bitterness leads us to becoming limited by the trauma and the scars from some of our worst experiences in life. And then we carry these burdens with us in unforgivable large amounts of time days weeks months years sometimes forever we carry it with us until we pass away if Jesus Christ had chosen not to forgive us humankind he would not have said father forgive them to God and he would not have been able to fulfill God's purpose for him or plan for his life and all of mankind since he would have been limited to his death on the cross limited to his anger or limited to his unforgiveness limited to his hurt and great offense at the punishment and the suffering that he bore before the cross so every Everything would have stopped right there on the cross. It would not have been a finished work. If Christ had not chosen forgiveness and then asked God to forgive us on his behalf, he would not have been capable of fulfilling God's design for his life and essentially our salvation, our route to freedom, our direct access to God. We're never going to have to experience what Jesus Christ experienced in being separated from God. I can't repeat it enough. We caused him to bear on our behalf because of our sin. He chose forgiveness and this allowed him to rise from death three days later and enabled our salvation in the road to heaven. Praise the Lord word for that. So forgiveness, yes, it takes time, but forgiveness is freedom. And until we choose forgiveness, it's biblical. We're limited to that which we have suffered. How can we take action against unforgiveness the first thing in the bible is to pray and it's right there in that verse (laughs) it's right there in jesus suffering right there in luke 23 verse 34 he prayed god forgive them he took action in prayer he forgave betrayal and hatred separation a pain that we'll never understand god turned his face away and shut himself away from the son on the cross for that act on the cross to be completed in the darkness of that stormy night. So in his physical and mental, the verbal abuse, the physical abuse, the accusations, the torture and unbelievable physical pain, he prayed. So scripture is always saying, teach us the way, show us the way, let us walk the way, follow Jesus. Here's the first thing to having a free heart and fulfilling your purpose. We talked about God's plan and purpose a few episodes ago. You cannot access your full potential in Jesus Christ if you are carrying these horrible burdens of abuse and torture or hurts just hurts from other people friends that have betrayed you family that have blocked you you can't live in full potential if you're carrying those things along with you it might be many years later you might be doing better therapy is great i am not against therapy i'm actually going into a master's for psychology if everything goes well according to what i feel god's teaching me and telling me to do um i've studied communications for the last couple years and neurosciences and child development in the brain and i am in the middle of applying for grad school in psychology and clinical psychology, clinical counseling, understanding more about the brain and especially related to substance abuse and abuse and recovery and child development and family counseling. And so I'm excited to see what God will do there. So I am in no way speaking against counseling or therapy. However, if we have not gotten to a place of forgiveness, if we are trying to just let things go within and handle things ourselves and heal and recover on our own, we're not living the full potential and accepting the biggest gift of freedom while we're walking on this earth that Jesus Christ died for us to have access to. So I'm in no way saying that therapy or counseling is not great. I think those are wonderful things and I'm probably going into that myself if God leads that way and continues to lead that way. But we cannot let go of things on our own. We can get better over time. We can feel like we're doing well. We can start to forget with time. Sometimes certain things fade depending on what they are. Not everything, right? I can't pretend to experience something that someone else suffered. I can only understand my own suffering and abuse and the things that I've gone through or hurts and I know that with time some of those things start to fade like over time it feels like grief starts to fade a little bit but it's really how we've learned to cope with it and it's the same way with hurts and abuse we can learn to cope differently but real freedom from carrying those burdens with us for the rest of our life is in forgiveness and that starts with following Jesus praying. So the next way is to turn your eyes upon Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 says keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So turn your eyes on him. If the first way to do that is prayer for you, go to prayer. The next way to take action against unforgiveness is to let it go. Isaiah 43, 18-19 Do not remember the past events. Pay no attention to things of old. Look, I am about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Do you not see? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. In the desert, rivers in the desert. And it's important too to understand that the New Testament and the coming of Christ, even by definition, Latin for um, New Testament is Novum Testamentum, and I hope I'm saying that right. <laughs> but it literally means the new covenant and so Jesus came to make all things new and of course we have a tendency to get hung up on the letter of the law and we, we get hung up on specifics like well they used to stone people and when the woman did this sin and committed this crime if we were still following the Bible today then we would still be stoning people we'd stone women for this and that and it's important to remember the timelines and to really focus more on walking in the love of Jesus Christ in a relationship a personal walk with God because he speaks to you through Scripture. But also so we're not supposed to live by everything in the Old Testament <laughs> Jesus came to make all things new all things new all right so let it go another step believe in the truth walk the 4 eight believe in the truth that God is your rescuer from darkness Colossians 1 13 through 14 he has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his son of the son that he loves in him we have redemption forgiveness of sins repent and give your heart to God second Corinthians 7 9 through 11 I now rejoice not not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance. For you were grieved as God willed so that you didn't experience any loss from us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. But worldly grief produces death. For consider how much diligence this very thing, this grieving as God wills, has produced in you. What a desire to clear yourself. What indignation. What fear. What deep longing. What zeal. What justice. In every way you showed yourself to be pure in this matter. So repent. Repent. Give your heart to God. Repent from holding back from him, the one who designed and created you. Romans 2, 4, or do you despise the riches of his kindness, restraint and patience, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? So again, I am not suggesting that anyone in abuse is responsible for their abuse. No, not responsible. Abusers and evildoers do need to have to suffer the law and go through legal steps, legal action. But our job in freedom with time, when the time is right, and beginning by forgiving evil that's done to us to be able to move past it, does not suggest that it's okay. It's accepting what God can do for us in our hearts, in healing, in the healing and recovery process or coping process. And then pray to forgive. Ask God to cleanse your heart, heal you of the pain and grief, make you whole. Colossians 3.13, bearing one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another just as the lord has forgiven you so are you also to forgive and this one pray for the evil doers this is what jesus did on the cross so again we're not being asked it's not being suggested in scripture that we do anything that jesus has not done and this takes time maybe a long time maybe never to get to the point for some people who have suffered abuse or great trauma but it is important to remember that this type of prayer is for you it's not for the evildoer it's for you the one who has suffered that's why we pray accept the process to recovery recovering and healing and coping takes time Luke 6 28 says bless those who curse you pray for those who mistreat you and again this is not a call to turn the other cheek and receive abuse this is no get I'm saying get out of that situation as soon as you can never return to that evildoers evildoers should be tried and punished by the law that's biblical that's why there's a law that comes out and the very first part of the Bible, right? There's a law in the very beginning. There's a whole patriarchal history and a law and why the law was introduced way back then, before Jesus came, Jesus came, he changed everything, but we still have laws and it's biblical to follow laws and fight for laws. And that's why we vote. So this is about your freedom, our freedom, your heart before a mighty God who loves you who predestined you before the foundation of the entire world beginning in Genesis chapter one. (laughs) This is where it starts talking about how you were predestined. So what are some of the lies that we believe here's one of the one one of the ones I've probably heard the most if I forgive my abuser or evildoer, it's like I'm saying that what they did is okay. If that is your thought, then you don't understand what forgiveness is. And I am not making less or making light of what you've gone through. I am only encouraging you to take a look at what scripture says about forgiveness. Here are some others. If people have not gone through the same thing, they can't possibly understand my suffering. If someone is telling me that God can heal me and give me hope, they think I'm to blame. If someone thinks God's will is for me to want to forgive my abuser, then they don't care that I was hurt and they can't possibly understand what I've been through. Here are some truths. Forgiveness is not for the evildoers. We cannot pretend to know fully another person's hurt or the depth of their suffering, but we can still know the truth of God's love and God's promise to those who cling to him. It's not hate or misunderstanding if we tell you about a real Jesus, right? If I tell you about a real Jesus that I know because I know him to be true and real, I might hate you if I remain silent and watch you burn for years in suffering without saying anything about the God who heals and gives freedom. I'm not judging you. I'm sharing how God healed my scars because I love you and I certainly do not deserve more grace and mercy and healing than anyone else, least of all those who have suffered so much that I know about. God is promising them anything except equal walks through consequences and nothing else before repentance. those evildoers. The promise in forgiveness is for those who are praying to forgive. Everyone is going to suffer consequences for wrongdoing. Everyone is going to stand before Almighty God. Forgiveness is our personal freedom. It's our ticket, the freedom of our hearts so that we may walk freely in His grace and mercy, experience His love, and rest in His truth. So not forgiving drags those who have hurt and abused us along with us for years, sometimes forever, until we deal with it. And it's also important to remember that the wrongdoers, may never know whether we forgave them or not. They may not even think about us anymore, right? Or if we think about them anymore, chances are they aren't thinking of us at all, especially if they're still evil. (laughs) They're out there hurting other people. And this is where that prayer to pray for the wrongdoers comes into place. You're praying to forgive so that you can have freedom. And if you ever get to that point where you can pray for them, I have some people that have betrayed. It took a while. It took a couple years to get to the point of being able to fully let go and then turn around and pray for them because I'm aware of other people who are in their life and so my prayers are on the behalf of the people that are being affected by them now and again that's very hard if you're um, coming out of an abusive situation so with time with God's grace and mercy we all need it we all need it not forgiving causes you to carry that anger and hurt and bitterness resentment even nightmares or evil along with you and if you think you're helping or enabling or saving or saying it's okay what the evil doers did by forgiving them then you're not understanding forgiveness so it's important to remember that walking in love is another truth real truth. An angry, bitter heart is not free to love. So we could say things like, oh, really love my kids. And we do, right? We do. I want to say I do. But in the moment throughout my life, when I look back and I realize that I was not walking in God's truth of who he is and the freedom that he provides for us, there were times when I probably was incapable and not able to love my family or my children or my husband in the same way or to the same capacity level that I'm able to when my heart's free. So 1 Corinthians 13 verses 1 through 13 talks all about if we speak with human and angelic tongues, but we don't. Have love, we're basically just another loud clanging sound in an already noisy and chaotic world, and it's encouraging us to rejoice in truth and bear all things in love and that the three greatest things that remain are faith hope and love but that the greatest is love and I always talk about how love is the most important thing it is designed by a mighty loving creator who loves you and designed you to need fellowship and oneness with him his plan and purpose for your life first john 4 7 through 21 dear friends let us love one another because love is from god love is born of god if you love and you know god you're born of god god is love god God has loved us in a way that we can't always understand. We can't fathom unchangeable, infinite love without strings attached, right? A lot of times when we love, it's because we hope our children are going to act well that day. (laughs) We hope that friend is going to return that embrace, return that affection. You cannot experience his love fully or walk and live a life of love or peace if you are limited by the burdens and scars that you continue to carry with you. Just like the cross that Jesus had to carry up the mountaintop to die on, lay down your burdens at his feet, surrender your will, accept his love, receive freedom from pain, hurt, abuse, grief, loss. You fill in the blank. What is your suffering? What is your burden? What is your cross to bear, friends? What do you need to give to him and ask him To take, to give you forgiveness for, to choose that forgiveness, to receive freedom. What is your thing? The first thing that we learn in Genesis is that, you know, there's this creature who's basically the enemy of God, right? The snake. And we learn right there in the beginning, he taught us to hate and start to distrust God and God's truth by placing lies in our head. (laughs) And the enemy is still actively doing that today. We may not even be able to consider wrapping our mind around loving or forgiving or praying for someone who has hurt us too deeply. But it is important to understand that there is freedom and it's biblical and it's truthful and God's Mercy and grace are there and God desperately loves you. God does not want you to suffer. We get too hung up on, well, if if God is so mighty, why doesn't he cancel all suffering? Well, guess what? He created a perfect world and we, humankind, just like today, still destroying it. We destroyed it multiple times just in the first part of the Bible, just in the beginning days, just in the first several hundred years. We tried to repeat history so many times, destroying, repeating the same sins over and over and over and over again. By the time we hit Genesis 6, six through nine, there's the flood. God decides to remove, and then you've got God's promise of the rainbow, promising never to repeat that type of earthly destruction again. So it might take time. We may think we'll never get to the place where we can pray for someone who's hurt us, but this is for our freedom. Prayers to forgive to have a heart that's free, to receive God's love and grace. Even if you never get to the point where you can pray for someone who's hurt you, pray to forgive them. Start somewhere with the easiest part of forgiveness. Ask God to help you choose to forgive someone and tell him how they made you feel. What they did, God knows. He wants your healing. Choose to forgive in what's real and true about God and what he wants to do for you today. When I think about suffering and some of the people that I know, friends and family, different types of suffering, whether it was physical abuse, medical condition, or a disease, an accident, or suffering physically like abuse. I think of Corrie ten Boom's suffering because she suffered so much abuse at the hand of Germany during World War II and the detention camps, and she once got to the place of such forgiveness in her own heart that God used her to pray for and bless one of her abusers in the detention camps, like many years later. After suffering by his hand, God used her to pray for him and bless him, and it led to his salvation later on. And I, when I think about some of my own hurts or people that I know, we're so far from getting to that place where we could ever think, like, maybe we want them to die because they're so awful. You know, when I think of the sexualization of children in the world, there, there's people that are so horrible that you just, you think that you might want them to be gone. They shouldn't be here. And I'm fully on board. I don't want to get too political here. <laughs> I'm fully on board with protecting children, just to be perfectly clear. there, perfectly on board with supporting and protecting children and protect God's children, saving God's children. I'm all about that. It's there's so many things. But when I think of Corey Ten Boom's suffering and the place that she gets to, this is a separate topic. And just where her heart was at years later, God had brought her to such a place of healing and grace that she was able to pray for someone that had abused her. And it led to his salvation. And I think that that's just incredible. While we may be able to consider that kind of forgiveness at that level, That's take, especially if it's too close to when the offense has taken place. But when I think of her life and what God did through her and how God used her, this is ultimately what Christ, what Jesus did for us. He, in that moment when it was happening on the cross, in that moment of suffering, that's when he forgave us. In the moment of us hurting and torturing him, that's when he forgave us and that's when he prayed on our behalf. That's when Jesus Christ chose the truth of God over these autonomy and selfish choices that we make. So again, I'm not suggesting that someone being abused is selfish to not pray. I'm suggesting that we all cry out to God. We all equally need him and God loves all of us equally the same. And Jesus Christ died, loved, forgave, and even prayed to forgive on our behalf. Some moral lives that we believe are that we don't deserve this, or I'm a good person. And again, a lot of therapists and counselors are amazing. Some of the wrong ones will maybe encourage you that you didn't do anything to deserve this. Everyone else is narcissistic, and you need to come into your own power and self-awareness about how to recover and find peace and healing on your own. This is completely outside of God's design. Um, There are certain things that God design in us and then there's a lot of ways that we will always need him as predestined before we were here this type of choice making out of impulse or feeling pain deciding that we do not in fact need a savior the opposite of how we were created you're not alone and God's grace is there and his love for you is greater than anything that you've been through so in today's world we're often making these chaotic choices and selfish need or desire out of impulse not talking about abuse or abusers right again I'd never suggest any kind of participation in abuse or suffering or that that was your fault or that you're responsible for that. I'm just talking about general decisions from the day to day. Choice to not follow Christ and the choice to follow self or self exhort and draw attention to oneself. We have a tendency to live selfishly and the, the choices that are being made a lot in the world around us right now are just selfish. And it shows our depravity and it really shows how much we need God. So what else is true? God wants you to find healing. We've said that. God wants your attention and focus so he can do more than you even know is possible. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks and everything for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God wants you to find joy. He loves you. He wants your best. He doesn't want you to continue to suffer at the hands of your enemies. He knows what true freedom looks like for you. He knows you have to let go. Matthew 5, 21 to 24 says, you've heard that it was said to our ancestors, do not murder and whoever murders will be subject to judgment, right? Evildoers are going to be subject to judgment just like all of us that have sinned. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Whoever says you fool will be subject to hellfire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there on the altar and go first and reconcile with your brother or sister and then come back and offer your gift. So God wants our freedom. If there's things that are not reconciled, what is your burden that you carry? What burden do you carry? Sisters, brothers, mamas, friends, brothers. God doesn't want you to live limited by your abuses in pain or suffering or continue to carry that guilt and shame those nightmares until the end of your days that's why he sent Jesus Christ that's why there's a finished work Romans 5 5 this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us God created us and he did more than just speak us into existence if you notice (laughs) we're going to cover this when we get into the 66 days and Genesis but it's important to know that God put his hand in our creation so if you notice in the book of Genesis he speaks everything to, into existence, let there be light, let there be this, let there be that. But when it came to humans, we are so set apart. We were set over the animals. Adam was given the choice of naming animals. There's so much truth there. And there's so much about our history that's very prominent and important. But God created us and he He did more than speak us into existence. He put his hand into our creation. So we are set apart. And just like one of the worst things Coryton Tinboom Boom states that Germany did to them was to cause so many of them to hate. She talks about that, like the whole experience caused so many of them to hate the world and sin and lies and the devil equally distract us away from God's truth. It happened right there in the very beginning. The snake tried to deceive Eve, tried to lie to us then, confused us and causes us to hate truth and even hate God. We are so prone to misunderstanding his creation, misunderstanding how we were forgiven and how we are so loved, misunderstanding how he was faithful in our unfaithfulness repeatedly in the beginning of our time, misunderstanding forgiveness completely and choosing to turn our God, our choosing to turn our back on the God who made us going against his purpose and plan. So finding healing takes a lot longer than we might want sometimes, but the Bible encourages us to persevere and that it's vital to the healing process. So this is where we can't just expect a magic wand or that practicing this or that is going to remove. Perseverance is vital to the healing process. So it may not happen quickly, right? Depending on what you're going through, depending on what your hurt is, it takes time. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. Here's the Christian standard Bible. So don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you need endurance, so that you, after you have done God's will, you may receive what was promised. Same verse in the King James, same two verses. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward, for ye have a need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. And this word promise, um, I'm probably going to say it wrong, hupomone, the Greek word, this is basically encouraging you to be patient and steadfast, endurance and consistent, a waiting period, enduring through something. But it also means hopeful. And that might be my favorite one. <laughs> hopeful. So on the heels of forgiveness, and it might take time, right? Don't rush it. Understand the process, but start by believing what's true about God and forgiveness and what that freedom looks like for you. There's a verse in Matthew, in uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 18, where Peter's approaching God and saying, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive my brother and sisters who sin against me? And is it as many as seven times? And that's when Jesus replies and says, not just seven times but 70 times seven again and again and again in Matthew chapter six but if you don't forgive others your father will not forgive your offenses in first John chapter two people who think they're in the light but hate their brother or sister are in the darkness until now the one who loves his brother or sister remains in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him but the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness walks in the darkness and doesn't know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes this is the message we have heard from him and declare to God God is light. This is First John chapter 1 verses 5 through 10. God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. And then it kind of goes on and on. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So that's that verse again. Becoming like Christ enables forgiveness and then freedom. And we are never going to achieve that level of being like Christ to actually become like him. But scripture tells us that we belong to Christ and we are ambassadors for Christ. And as ambassadors, we're tasked with two things, the mission of God and the character of Jesus. And the goal that 2 Timothy is talking about in chapter 3, it sounds pretty simple, right? To become more and more like Jesus in the way that we act, think, and feel, and also to accomplish the purposes that God has for our life. We're tasked to accomplish the work of God in the way that he wants it done, following the word of truth or the Bible, but as Christians, we should strive to be like him. We want to have that same mind and attitude that he had, which was love, seeing God, hearing God, obeying God, walking in God's perfect plan and purpose for him by connecting with God. Paul's encouragement to Timothy in 2 Timothy reinforces that mindset about our character that in the midst of the culture that's grumbling and fighting to act like Jesus, right? The world is still fighting right now. So in this letter, Paul's telling Timothy, don't be ashamed of your past, but instead let the past be a testament of how Jesus has changed your life. Your past as part of your story. It's not something to be ashamed of, right? Hurts, abuse, people that have betrayed us, it's the way that we can show others how Jesus has changed our life and again it may take a long time to get to that place but we can't be free until we forgive and as we engage in scripture and engage in the holy spirit and ask god to speak to us our heart our mind our hands we're changed to be more like christ so give god your fears from suffering pain grief abuse or guilt where do you turn in times of difficulty who do you reach out to when something happens all of us need other people in our life who can help us through tough times we cannot make it through life alone right we should always have people who can help us when something happens. In our life, our first reaction should be to come to God. So we really should be seeking Him first, right? Seek Him first, first and daily. Look for what's true. Do a 4 8. Believe in who God says He is, and then believe in who He is for you so that you can reach your full potential in Jesus Christ. Other people might help meet physical needs, right? God is the only one who can meet our deepest needs. Psalm 34, verse 4 through 5. I know this is a lot of scripture, but there's so much truth here. I sought the Lord and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fear. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Just as God answered the writer of Psalm 34, God is also ready to meet us in that place of prayer. God's not hidden. He's not far away. He's present, waiting to spend time with us because he's the one who created us. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about me. He knows how we feel. He knows exactly what we need. So the psalmist says that God delivered him from all of his fears. God desires to deliver you from your fears, your hurts as well. My favorite chapter in Philippians chapter 4, 6, and 7, God. God's word says not to be anxious or fearful about anything, but rather go to God in prayer and he will give us peace. God is the source of all peace and security, but we need him and we need to go to him with our fears. You know, when I have a child that's scared at night, we'll go to God in prayer and we'll pray every truth we can think of until she can fall asleep. And I have taught her to review verses of scripture that she's memorized, whether it was a wellness club, so that she's just meditating on truth and circling over and over until she falls asleep and has peace. And it works. And I do that with her because it worked for me when I was little. And it worked for me as an adolescent and then a young adult, and now it still works. It's still true. God is unchanging. He's real yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Psalm 34:5 says that those who spend time with God will be free of shame as we are freed from mistakes from our past and we'll begin to walk in newness of life. When we walk with God through life, we walk in the light that He provides rather than the darkness of the world around us. He will keep us from harm, from shame. God is waiting for you to spend time with you and give you his peace. Spend time today in prayer. Spend time today in prayer asking God to remove your fears and replace them with his strength. This is the section that we've reached titled Good Grief. Can anything good come from grief? From mourning a deep loss, from weeping a profoundly heavy heartache, from trying to recover or cope with the unimaginable. While grief is a necessary part of life, no one longs to grieve. But in the second beatitude, a series of promises Jesus made about God's kingdom, Jesus said this, Matthew 5:4, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. No one can appreciate their more than someone who's lived in a desert. We can't value food more than anyone who's really been starving in a third world country. And no one can know God as their comforter like someone who desperately needs comfort. Unfortunately, we do live in a world with death, decay, and disappointment. It's just, it's part of life, it's part of the world. Sin brought all of that in Genesis. But even in our sorrow and suffering, God stands ready to comfort us in unique and meaningful ways that only He can. The Holy Spirit is often called the comforter, helper, counselor, advocate. But regardless of those names, It's always who he is. He's all, A-L-L, for everything that we need in our grief. He's always a God who is our best interest in mind. So how does he comfort us? He does this through his spirit, through his word, by working in and through his people. Do you see how he's pursuing you? Have you opened your heart to his comfort? Or are you carrying the burden of hurt, pain, grief, suffering, loss, abuse? Are you carrying it with you in your nightmares? Are you carrying it with you daily, trying to cope on your own? If you are a follower of Christ who is more morning today. Remember Jesus himself promised that he will be your comforter. God is always good. God is always faithful. He is right there ready to help. I want you to remember three keys. There's three places we can turn inward, outward, or upward. Okay, listen to this. The enemy is going to continue to lie to you just like he did using that creature in the very beginning, the enemy of God. The enemy is going to continue to lie to you and tell you to look outward and seek the things of the world to do everything in your power. He's going to do everything in his power to fight God and keep you from truth relationship with Jesus Christ, fighting him on the day in the garden, using that manipulating conversation and the fragility of humankind into sin and disobedience. He knows we're weak and frail. He knew the woman was going to consider, hmm, maybe I am really like God. Maybe God doesn't want me to see how great I am. The enemy is still putting lies in her head. He's a roaring lion that wants to steal, kill, and destroy by using God's most wonderfully made creation, the ones he set apart, the ones not just spoken into existence, but made by his hand in his image. Humans, humankind, mankind we also sometimes look outward when we're projecting blame onto someone else for everything or taking zero responsibility for our actions or sins so outward the devil is going to try to get you to look outward the enemy wants you to look outward and then the world is going to tell you to look inward that you're enough all by yourself and you will continue to struggle suffer and grieve without real freedom or healing even if things start to look better with time or it starts to fade inward is telling you that you are the god yourself basically and it's rejecting what christ has done for you we also look inward sometimes when we're blaming ourself or what's happened to us or others. And finally, the Bible is going to teach you that the only way is upward. Turn your eyes upward. Turn your face upward to Jesus. By his grace, we are healed. By his mercy and love and faithfulness, we are saved. By his hands, not just his voice, we were created. From the dust of the ground and by his purpose and plan, we must walk into freedom from sin and death and the grave. Can I get an amen? So again, the enemy is going to tell you to look outward. The world is going to tell you to look inward to yourself. And the Bible is going to tell you that there's only one way, and it's upward. Looking upward to the face of God Almighty, who made you fearfully, wonderfully, awesomely in his image. How can we be more like Christ today? In closing, well, ask yourself these questions. Who's using you today? What are some steps that you can take to begin to shift your thinking and take action towards the mission of God or the character of Christ? Ask God to help you to seek him every day. And then the hard question, is there anyone you need to forgive today? Do you need or want freedom from suffering and pain? What is your burden, friend? Remember upward is the key inward, outward, upward. What is your burden? I want to close by praying for you. My dad taught us how to pray a prayer of forgiveness. I've simplified it. I've taught my daughter and then you can laugh, but my husband and I speak two different languages. His first language is Spanish. Mine is obviously English. (laughs) Um, prayer was always a hilarious thing reading is a hilarious thing when he's trying to read he does better with his first language but he's definitely more fluent in both languages so I have to give him credit for that and I'm super proud of him for trying to learn two languages um, I got distracted from Spanish for a while when I was doing American Sign Language and so everybody was confused but um, all that to say when we prayed together I was trying to teach my daughter and so we tried to be consistent so I was trying to you know teach him the words I was saying so that we were kind of doing the similar thing but the important part is not that we all pray the same prayers that we get in the presence of God. And, um, you know, I never would have married him if he wasn't someone that got in the presence of God. (laughs) Imperfect human, but someone that tries to seek God. And that's important to try to pass that down to our children as well. So I am going to teach you a prayer of forgiveness that was taught to me. You can pray your own prayer. You do not have to pray this prayer. This is not a religious prayer. This is just a simple way to verbalize choosing forgiveness. And so I am going to share that with you now. Heavenly Father, I choose to forgive. And then here you insert the name for making me feel And you insert the way that you're made to feel when they, and then you insert what they did in your own way. I choose to forgive them. I ask you to take that burden from me and cleanse my heart and make me whole. I want to have a heart that is free to love you. I want to experience your freedom. Help me to accept your grace and mercy that are there for me. Help me to forgive in Jesus name. And Father God, I just pray for my listeners today, whatever their burden is. There are days when I have to pray that prayer for something my husband did, something super simple. And then there's other days where it takes two years to pray through a betrayal or an act of violence or an act of abuse, robbery, loss, grief, pain, suffering. Those types of prayers have to be prayed many times, more than one time, sometimes in the same day. It feels monotonous, but God, I pray for my listeners if they're carrying burdens that they would turn to you and ask you to speak to their heart. Maybe I'm missing something. Again, I'm not a scholar. I'm just a regular Joe who loves you, who's seeking you, who's trying to find truth. Help them to turn to you and seek you and say, God, show me, who are who are you for me in a time of suffering like this? What could your purpose possibly be in a moment like this? How can I pray and receive your healing? How can I feel your love in the middle of this? Or maybe it's after the fact. Help them, Lord God, to turn to you and receive who you are for them in Jesus' name and by the power of your blood and only because of you. Help us to truly see you for who you are for us and to believe in your truth in Jesus' name. And it's all because of him. Amen. Well, friends, this brings us to the end of our episode today on the Well for Goodness Sake podcast. I hope that you felt welcomed and encouraged here in realizing you're not alone, you are loved, and you can definitely do all of the things through Christ and everything else above and beyond that. If you're just willing to let go of self, allow God, and begin each day, first and daily, walking the 4 8 life. This means taking massive action in a new direction sometimes. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Remember, I want to stay connected with you. You can subscribe here to the Well for Goodness Sake podcast. You can follow my Instagram handle at Well for Sake underscore WFGS. That's Well for Goodness Sake underscore WFGS. Feel free to provide feedback or leave a review. I encourage that. If anything I've talked about today resonated with you or was encouraging to you in any way, I'd love to hear back from you so that I can continue to be just that and be that encourager in your life. Listeners, mamas, friends, we're not alone. God is real and God loves you. Well, for goodness sake, let's go do a 4-8. Until next time, I love you and it's all because of him.